Hi, Breakout listeners. We want you to know how grateful we are that you've helped make us number one in self-improvement, number one in education, and number seven in all podcasts. That's a lot of love from a lot of listeners. So keep tuning in for more inspiring breakout stories and don't forget to leave us a review. We love hearing from you. They're also educated and experienced and have so much to offer, but then they come to me and they're turned in on themselves. They're kind of broken. And I'm like, hey, remember like how amazing you are and how can we get you to be brave and stand up for yourself? Because no one teaches this. That's Jen Pastikas. She runs Brave Women at Work, where she helps women navigate their careers and get what they want and deserve, all without burning out. On this episode, Jen shares what inspired her to start Brave Women and explains why so many women battle imposter syndrome or have trouble growing in their careers. She also explains why we need a new word for quitting. I always said, Pastikas has never quit. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Maybe, maybe quitting is a good idea. You know, maybe like stopping something is a good idea and it's not a loss and you're not a failure. And even if you are, so what? Welcome to The Breakout, a show about smashing through life's little boxes and forging your own path. I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. And I'm Kelly Gunther. Carrie and I are people and change experts and best friends. We've spent more than 25 years helping organizations navigate change and get the best out of their people. Come on, we know change is hard, but staying the same can even be harder. On The Breakout, we prove that you can escape expectations and best of all, we show you how. Jen, I'm so excited to talk about brave women. So let's get to it. So why don't you tell us in one or two sentences what you help people break out of? So I help women break free from imposter syndrome and an inability to communicate what they want, whether that is they want more flexibility, they want more pay, they want more benefits. My whole goal in this is that I want to give women tools and resources that I wish we all would have had. You know what I mean? Like when we started our corporate careers and businesses, no one gives us any tools. You know, in high school, we should have like, here's the one-on-one and how to enter the working world as a female. And I'm coming back in my mid-40s to say, okay, like here it is. Here's some of the resources I wish I would have had. Mm, I love that. That is so beautiful because you're right. Wouldn't that be amazing to have classes like that? Like for anyone, you could have the major class of anyone going into the workforce. This is some good lessons to have. Just those real world skills just aren't there. And then we just land on the doorstep of corporate and, you know, we get beaten up pretty good. And then at some point we're like, wow, like I wish I would have known this. And I will say just as a, a sidebar, but an important one is that, you know, God granted me with two daughters. And so now I feel really obligated, you all, about like passing it forward. My older daughter, Charlotte, is 11 and she would say 11 and a half. And my, uh, my younger one just turned five, Olivia. And so it's really important that I pay it forward for them. Oh, yeah. Because you, you don't want the generation to go backwards. Before we get into what you do every day with brave women at work, take a step back and tell us a little bit about yourself and why this became so important to you. 
I'm the senior vice president of business development for a financial institution in the Chicagoland area. And I've been in financial services for over 20 years. But I've always had this like, like nudge and this like kind of irritating, like kind of like pull on my my spirit to say, there's more, there's more, there's more you can do. And I always knew that I wanted to help people. And then in about about 2004, 2005, I started seeing in my local community about coaching. And I was like, what is this whole new profession? But I was scared. I'm going to be honest. I was really scared, um, had a monetary scarcity mindset. And so like head down, stuck to corporate. Then in 2016, I asked my corporation, my business, to sponsor me to get uh, coaching certified with IPAC. And they believed in me enough, and I got the certification in 2016, 2017. And then I tried to ignore it again. Like, I was like, oh, I'll just do this in retirement. You know, I'm, I'm really successful. Now I have the golden handcuff. And then I burnt out. So I have some experience with burnout and um, health challenges as a result of that pretty significantly crashed and burned in 2019 and have been on a healing journey ever since. And as a result, I feel this is part of my way to heal. And so I had an intuitive nudge tell me during pandemic when everything was closing down, kind of said and poked me, you know, and said, Jen, start a podcast and um, picked up a mic and I've loved every moment ever since. And, you know, then it said, hey, write a book. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. You know, and then the book came out like last year. And then they're like, hey, 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 you got you to go back and coach women. You got to help women and create great content. And so that's the long and short of it. I love it. Tell us what you do every day with Brave Women at Work. So I do uh, multiple things. So I've got the podcast and so excited to tell you I'm over 130 episodes now. Interviewed some amazing women from all over the world. Learned so much from that whole process. And then I also provide leadership and career coaching for typically I attract uh, mid-career women, manager level or higher, often director level, women that are you know, wanting to get to the higher level, the VP level, the C-suite level, but they're struggling. They're struggling with confidence. They're struggling with asking for what they want. They're struggling with how to make that next leap and have that executive presence and have a true seat at the table. And again, there's no education for that. So I'm here to help them with that negotiation, provide them with that education. What are some of the most common things you've seen holding women back? Yeah. So it always comes back down to worth, um, self-value, imposter syndrome, confidence. It's amazing. Some of the women that I've talked with, their level of expertise, I've talked to lawyers, I've talked to, you know, executive women. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me because they'll be like, do you think I can do that? I'm like, what? You know, like you have all the experience, you have all the education. And I'm just really there to help them guide themselves through this process where they can gain confidence. They can really reflect back and say, how would you have talked to a friend in this scenario? Why are you being so mean to yourself? How can then we also build on the confidence to have real world conversations? So helping women like go into those negotiation conversations. For an example, I had a client recently who was going through a major promotional cycle and was going to get a nice promotion. And she came to me and goes, and she was accepting this at first. And she says, I'm going to get a 2% raise in this promotion. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we're going to we're gonna work through that and get you. <laughs> and we ended up getting her close to about a 10% lift um, just by asking and just framing it 
it and working on a script that really reflected her voice so that she felt confident going into that conversation. Where do you think, Jen, this imposter syndrome? So maybe step back, explain what it is, and then what's your take on why it's affecting women so much? So imposter syndrome is the feeling that you're a fraud and so that you're going to be found out or that people are going to realize that you're not good enough. You shouldn't have a seat at the table. You're not really supposed to be in that job. And what it does in my mind, this is my opinion, it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy so that you start playing smaller, you start kind of turning in on yourself. And then all of a sudden you are acting out the part of the fearful, not competent, working woman, which is the exact opposite of what I see in all my clients. They're also educated and experienced and have so much to offer, but then they come to me and they're turned in on themselves. They're kind of broken. And I'm like, hey, remember like how amazing you are and how can we get you to be brave and stand up for yourself? So that's the first answer. And why does this impact women? I think, and again, this is my opinion and based on my reading, it's very based in society and our culture. So I looked up, and this is from a study of in 2007, I looked up the study on the word brave and brave is typically a very masculine word. So if we're putting words in male and female buckets, the word brave is more masculine associated. And for the longest time, I tried to be more masculine than feminine in the workplace. And I realized a lot of success doing that, but it really hurt my health, obviously going through burnout. And I will share as just a a sidebar is that I had a colleague that I talked to and he's like Pastikas, because that's my last name, everybody. And he says, you know, Pastikas or JP, he's like, working with you is awesome. It's like working with a dude. And for the longest time, I felt so proud of that because I was in the masculine and trying to reside only there. And then when I realized, I'm like, oh, wait, I am female. Oh, yeah. Newsflash. Like, I need to embrace the feminine. So I think it's just the mixed messages that women get uh, in childhood you know, where we're taught to be quiet and helpful and more communal and caretaking, which is all wonderful. I, but I think men can do that too. I think we need to keep writing the ship on male and female energy and like what our roles are. And then the other thing that's awesome though, on the positive side is women's confidence actually keeps increasing into their 40s, 50s, and beyond, whereas men's plateaus actually, and it starts to decline as they're older, because I think they're just out of the womb. I have a little bit more confidence because that's the way we raise them. But all of us ladies, like, hey, positive news (laughs) is that you can increase your confidence with age. So it just takes some sweat equity. It takes some effort. You're so right. My son came out of the womb like, I am that amazing. (laughs) Like, Like, I just... And it's shocking. And it really is impressive. He, for Mother's Day, I, when he was like four years old, um, I said, what are you going to get me for Mother's Day? And without missing a beat, Jen, he said, a penis. And I said, what? And he said, I see you don't have one. <laughs> and they're amazing. <laughs> and there wasn't a joke. It wasn't anything. And I thought, oh, my God. Wow. Like, it's in him. This confidence is like, wow. Can you imagine just as, you know, as we're talking about this, like a girl saying like, I'm going to give you a vagina for a present. <laughs> no woman, right. no girl is going to say that. Like, it's just, no. I, I mean, maybe there's a woman out there and good for you, but most of us probably yes. weren't raised to be that confident. No. 
No, no. And if you are the woman who did that, please call me and Kelly because we want you as a guest on this show. It was so refreshing and sad altogether, Kelly, I guess, to realize how behind, in a way, women are in the confidence game. And so it just makes me sad that we have to have so many discussions about it, that we're not fully realized and confident and we have so much imposter syndrome. And I know that also affects men, but it affects women so, so much more. And that you can have education experience, you can be well-established in your career and still feel like there's something not quite right with you, which is heartbreaking. What gave me hope is that as women, we do get more confident as we get older. So that was the bright light, I guess, in all of it. But I think what also makes me hopeful is that there's someone like Jen in this world who Mm -hmm. is working so hard to establish and create a model in which she can get us back into a better, more positive framework of thinking. So talk about some of the ways, Jen, where you help build the confidence. So I'm coming to you with imposter syndrome. How how do you help me boost my confidence? So the first part is you're coming to me for a reason. So a lot of coaching is also trust building. So at first, because they don't know me, right? So I have to build trust with you as the person that has imposter syndrome. And often what's interesting, they'll come to me for X and it's really why. So like they'll come to me with X issue and we're like three sessions in and they're like, yeah, no, that's not really it. But I trust you now. So here's really the issue. And then I'm like, okay, let's get to work, shall we? And so I think it's first building the trust. And then when we get to more of the roots of the imposter syndrome, it's getting them aware of when it's happening. You just get into a state of awareness. You're like, I'm doing it again. I'm saying it again. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm saying I'm not good enough or I'm feeling I'm not good enough. So it all depends on the client. So some of them just like feel it in their body where they're like, they feel like ashamed or they start to slouch. But some of the clients will actually say, you know, you're worthless or you're not smart or who are you or you're not good enough Mm. or that kind of stuff. So that what I'm trying to do is get them aware and to start interrupting the pattern. And then once we start interrupting the pattern, replacing the thought with a new and a higher level thought. And I tell them it takes time because these patterns are formed so early, whether it could be childhood. And, you know, just as a stopping point there with coaching and therapy, I mean, I'm not a therapist. I'm not trained as a therapist. I don't dive deep into past. I'm there as a coach to move people forward. So I just want to make sure people understand the difference there. And then once we get to a level point or kind of a set point where I start to see progress from there, then we can work on scripting or we can work on other tools to allow them to speak up in a meeting, to ask for a raise, things like that. But we have to get to an awareness point first. Nice. I was uh, thinking of the word brave as you were talking and just how brave these women are to come to you, know something's wrong, and then want to change it. And that's just brave right there, just by saying, I, I want to boost that confidence and and I don't want to live like that anymore. They often don't know, but they're just feeling disillusioned. Like, you know, they were like, why am I not getting to that level? Like, why can't I get to the next level? And they'll see, 
you know, just because of the nature of my resume or, you know, oh, you're a senior vice president in corporate America. How did you get there? And that's really the crux of what I do is to teach them. How did I get there? How did I get to that level? Because again, no one teaches this. And so I'm here to help them open the door, you know, to whatever place and space they want to go in their careers. You've talked before about women wanting to redefine ambition, saying there's got to be a better way. So what does that look like? So this is still something I'm learning. So I will admit fully, I think a lot of women uh, during COVID were like, okay, yeah, I need to redefine what success and ambition means to me. And I think we're still in this, even though we're, you know, in the quote unquote endemic, I think we're still not over the learning or we're still assimilating the learning. And so what I tell people when they ask me this question is to really think about what your values are. You know, values work is so common, almost cliched in coaching and coach services, but people don't do it. And so I tell my clients, like, we got to do a coach, you know, a values exercise at least once a year. You go for an annual physical. Why aren't you looking at what's important to you as your life and, you know, where you are changes. And so that's the first piece. And then the other piece is like being honest with yourself and saying, okay, well, if it's not a value to me, like, why am I still doing this? You know, why, why, you know, and I was always taught and, you know, I'm kind of unteaching my daughters, you know, I always said, Pastikas is never quit. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Mm. Maybe, maybe quitting is a good idea. You know, maybe like stopping something is a good idea and it's not a loss and you're not a failure. And even if you are, so what? You can pick up your yourself off yeah. the ground and it's life. And so I think there's that. And then the, the last piece that I want to quote from someone in my sphere, her name's Natalie Benamu, and she's the founder founder and CEO of her C-suite. And she explained to me the idea of the career lattice versus the career ladder. So the idea of, you know, you can go lateral, you can go down, you can go up, whatever you want to do. But I was always raised that, you know, with an ambitious set of parents, hardworking parents, and I love them for that. It's always up and to the right. It's always up and to the right until mm-hmm. it kills you. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so now I'm like, oh, I can go lateral and it's not, I'm, I'm not a failure. Oh, that's amazing. I can go down and like take a breather. Oh, that's amazing. Like, so I think it's really being compassionate with yourself and having grace with yourself that maybe you don't want to always go up and to the right. Right. Yeah. I really appreciate that you're teaching your daughters too that quitting's okay. And it's almost like we need a better word for it. Because when you quit something that's not serving you, and especially as girls, I don't know if you've seen this, as, as girls and then as we become women, we do so much that we don't necessarily want to do, but we're taking care of others or we're doing it because we should and because we don't quit. And so for women especially, I don't know what the new word is, but it just doesn't serve us. And so why am I doing this? Like why? It's not even quitting. It's just this is not worthwhile. It doesn't bring me joy. Maybe we need to come up with a new word. We need to come up with a we new really word. We really do. Let's, you know, offline, we we'll come up with come a new word. It. Yeah. We'll come up with a new word because quitting is, it has a, such that negative connotivity to it. We don't need to do as much as we're doing. Like what's bringing us joy to the point where we don't want to get, like you said, Jen, to that place of burnout where it's a health issue. Well, I'll tell you like... um when my first daughter was born and then, you know, recently I rehired someone to help me clean the house and I was raised like, no, you do that for yourself. And I'm the uh-huh. only person in my family that has help like that. And I still, to this day, and this is insane, but I'm like, I kind of feel guilty or bad. And, you know, I should be the one that's cleaning my own toilets. And I'm like, 
what? Like, why should I be the one that's cleaning my own toilets? Like, why should I kill myself and have a heavy, you know, load in my career and a business and children and be like, I still have to clean, you know, every square inch of my home. I, I don't have to do that. And so I think it's also leaning on your communities and the resources you have and not being ashamed about that. We were talking about it, Kelly. I was remembering the book way back when Backlash by Susan Faludi, a book about the backlash that will happen as women get into power. The backlash becomes very real. And we see a lot of that now because women coming into their own power and getting more and more powerful is quite frightening to some people. So how can women just step into their power? And I have you, Kelly. So I always say Kelly is my hype woman. So whenever I feel like, <laughs> you know, oh, well, I don't know if I should charge that much. Kelly's like, don't you know you're a doctor? What the fuck? They should be paying you even more. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Kel. So she's my total hype woman. So I just, I feel for if I didn't have you, Kel, or we didn't have each other and to run the business, I don't think I'd be as confident. Well, I struggle a lot with confidence, but I, I think part of it is just truly embracing and having grace for yourself is what Jen said. And we don't do enough of that for ourselves as women. We feel like wherever we get to one bar, there's like another bar that's higher than that. And there's always, there's something to be said for wanting to improve and, and evolve and grow in life and get to a next level. But sometimes it's okay to just be okay where you're at as well. And she mentioned, can we take a breath? Can we just take a breath? And I don't think, I don't think we do enough of that. We're just moving from one thing to the another that we just don't ever just stop and pause and, and think through our current situation. Jennifer, love the work that you're doing, and in particular, obviously the focus on women. Um, and I know that I could have definitely used the services that you're offering. Um, when I was leaving high school, entering college, getting that first job, just knowing the world of work and the lack of knowledge I had around the world of work. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see when working with clients, the blocks that they have that they're presenting with? Is there one big challenge that you've seen recently? Yes. So there are several challenges. So if they're in a state of imposter syndrome, and they're not willing to fix it. So they might come to me at that where they're like just curious and kicking the tires. And I'm happy to talk to anyone, you know, so I offer a 30 minute no charge discovery call for anyone. And so they will disconnect from me really quick because they don't want to go there. So I think it's the first piece is just, you've been brave enough to get on the phone then, you know, our, the next step is, are you brave enough to actually work on this and start to get to the core of the issue? And then, you know, it's the standard stuff. And I, I want to, I don't want to make light of this, but, you know, people will make excuses, right? So they'll say, I don't have time and this is, you know, too expensive for me. And so what I'm trying to do is like create content that makes it accessible for everyone. So I'm going to be launching a group uh, coaching program this fall for women that is at a different price point, right? So I'm trying to make it accessible so everyone has, again, access to it. So it's those traditional excuses. And what's really funny about it is it's excuses that I've made to coaches. It's excuses that I've made to others. So, I mean, I can recognize it because <laughs> I've been that person. And I think the other piece is they 
leave a session on the table where they're like, oh, I'm good. And then they like kind of run away and they have one more session left. I'm always, you know, I'm not a mama bear, but I will come, you know, follow up a couple times at least to be like, hey, you know, finish the work, you know, like, do you have everything you need? So sometimes, you know, I know that life gets in the way, but I think this is a lifelong thing. And it's not that they have to work with a coach, me or anyone else lifelong. That's not the point. Our, a coach, if they're really great, we want to get you out in the world. We want to give you the tools so you can be successful on your own, right? It's just a stopover. And it's not that, but you have to understand that you are going to have imposter syndrome strike again. You are going to have fear strike again. You are going to need to leverage the tools that I'm teaching you throughout your career and your life. And so just making sure these women go through the whole program and don't run away scared, I think is like the big thing that I, I do see periodically. And I encourage them like, Hey, I'm a safe place to talk and I'm not here to judge you. I'm just simply here to teach you and provide you tools. I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about your your approach, Jen, is that you are so relatable and that there's almost like a sense of humor that you bring and a vulnerability that makes it really real that you're someone that can easily identify with some or all of what they may have been thinking. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I've been there. I have felt all of the imposter syndrome. And I think that's what makes your story and the passion and the zeal that you have for what you do so powerful. You had mentioned earlier that you're kind of still assimilating and kind of getting your head around the setbacks that women have faced since COVID. What does the future of work look like for women? Any insights that you may be able to share? So this is from what I've read, but also my personal opinion. And you know, it's it's a little interesting and disheartening to me. So there are there's this swing, right? And so I'm in financial services. Financial services is a very conservative industry. So there were some industries that are still very remote or high, very pro-hybrid, but there are a lot of industries that are pushing people to come right back to the office full time. And if we surveyed, so like if you surveyed all of your female audience, right, and they were like, yes, like, do you want to come in five days a week and still do everything you were doing before? I bet you that they would say no. <laughs> and so I think that it's the future of work is let's help our women and men, but like women, since you were still seeing that we have a, a big labor on, you know, childcare and the CEO of the household and stuff like that. Let's give us an opportunity to thrive. Let's at least give us hybrid work environments. Let's give us the opportunity to decide how and when and, you know, how we work. It takes a lot of effort and sweat equity to coordinate a household. Coordinating, like even my two girls, like, okay, this one's going here and this one's going here and this one's going here and this one's got a doctor's appointment and who's going to school at what time. It's just... It's maddening. And I have a very engaged husband who is awesome. And not every woman has that benefit. And so I think it's organizations and employers need to keep changing and not be afraid to keep changing and evolving. And it's it just very sad to me, organizations that aren't willing to change. And I think that for female top talent, they will find organizations that support their needs and the organizations that, you know, force five days in, you know, the office, they're not going to have top talent, at least not long term. So Kelly, I hope that answers your question. It, it certainly does. And I know that there are so many 
companies that are really struggling right now to figure out what is the appropriate balance. They want to create a culture within the organization of collaboration and connectivity. And sometimes that comes at a disadvantage to people being able to have the flexibility. And so it's a very delicate dance. I couldn't agree more that the five-day-a-week approach of an in-office setting is one in which you will definitely lose top talent, especially women. One of the last questions that we ask is, you know, you've got one minute, you know, with someone who is struggling to balance the expectations of their personal life, their professional life. What do you tell them, Jen? So I'll try to get this in a minute. But what I will say is, the first thing is, is that I know I'm often in my head and not in my body. And I'm studying a lot about somatics and, you know, the idea of the neurology and healing our, you know, our whole neurosystem and our whole body, right? So, you know, when you go through burnout, like I did, it's interesting because you think like your head and your body and your intuition are all separate, right? Because you've been leading with your head for so long. And what I've learned is I'm like, wait a minute, I got to drop into my body and actually feel what I'm feeling. And so the first thing I would say is like, okay, like, can we take a couple breaths? I mean, some of the clients will get on that I have and I can tell they're actually not breathing like, or they're like shallow breathing. I'm like, hey, can we pause before you like completely, you know, like on the call with me? So I would tell them to just take some deep breaths and kind of regulate their system. And then from there... I would tell them to drop into that that heart space or that body and say like where where is the overwhelm coming you know kind of tap into that deeper wisdom. Some people are going to go into that you know Kelly and they're going to be like I I resonate. Some people are like this is just a bunch of woo right. But I still stand by that because it gets you regulated. And then if they are struggling with that exercise, you know, more logically, let's get back into the logical brain. I mean, let's just do a brain dump of where the overwhelm is, right? And so instead of like putting a to-do list together, what about a to-don't list, right? So like we look at everything you've got going on and we're like, okay, where's the overwhelm coming from? Okay, what are we not going to do? And then the final piece, which is probably also the core of it, is like, where are the expectation gaps and disconnects? So what are your personal expectations for yourself? What are the expectations you're trying to like, you know, people please with others? And where are the gaps? And where should you really be so that you can come to a place of like sanity and wholeness? How can we get to a central point where you're like, I I got this and I'm not feeling completely um, overwhelmed and unruly? Thank you so much for your your insights and your wisdom and for the passion with which you approach your work. I love, in particular, when I have meetings with women, Carrie and I will often talk, we get so much done in like 15 minutes. It's amazing. So we are always so thrilled when we have meetings with women in particular, because we get so much cranked out in such a short period of time. So we're always so blessed to um, talk with people as inspiring as you. And we are excited about your upcoming book release. Yes, yes. So it's called Brave Women at Work, Lessons in Confidence. And it's the second in the series. And it's a uh, women's anthology. So the first one was Brave Women at Work, uh, Stories of Resilience. And this one, again, is on confidence. And it's coming out in August, uh, the hardcover. And we're just really excited to get this in the hands of as many women as possible, because these women are of 
just such power, such power and their willingness to be vulnerable and share the lessons that they have gone through to get to places of confidence and fulfillment is just such a gift. So I hope that we can get this out there uh, far and wide. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much, Jen. It was beautiful. Thank you. That was Jen Pistikas, founder of Brave Women at Work. And this is the breakout from Abrachi Group. At Abrachi Group, we love helping companies get the most out of their talent. If you're looking to improve yourself and your team, connect with us at abrachigroup.com. On The Breakout, we love reading your reviews. So if this episode got you thinking, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And here's a review that just came in from Kay Sorrell. It says, so good, you will love it. Carrie and Kelly are the perfect pair, great hosts. They have great guests and have a special way of pulling out the right information that I need to hear. I highly recommend The Breakout, top podcast for sure. Thanks, Kay Sorrell. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, and reviewing is simple. Just click write a review and hit save. It helps us reach more people who might just need these stories. And don't forget to subscribe to The Breakout so you never miss a new episode. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Breakout Pod. I'm Kelly Gunther. And I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. See you next time.